Hello and welcome to the Lugo's Journey podcast. I am incredibly, incredibly excited to have you on today because my guest is a true entrepreneur. And by true entrepreneur, I mean after years and years of being successful, he still wants to do it and he still wants to achieve more success. I hope that you could use his life guidance and also just the amazing story that he has to help you on your hero's journey because I know that it's helped mine. One note that I wanted to add on this podcast, I brought on my friend Brian, who actually met our guest at New Trier, which is his high school. Uh, Brian actually met him, and they actually cultivated an amazing relationship, and I would not have him on today if it wasn't for Brian. So I hope you enjoy this podcast, and I hope you enjoy me and Brian giving him some amazing questions. Enjoy. From like when you were younger, you know, I know you went to Barcelona, and from even before that, right? Like, what, what was it that drove you to be an entrepreneur? Oh, let me sit down in a comfortable chair. So genetically, uh, there's two things, right? When you, when you become an entrepreneur, um, you have examples, like, like in my family, um, my grandfather started a business after the Spanish Civil War. Brian knows all about this. So when you have examples like that uh, in your family that you look up to, that you actually respect, or that actually were successful, it's very easy to fall, you know, love struck with that idea um, or fall in love with the thought of entertaining it. Um, but what drives me to become an entrepreneur is, 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 is also not just the genetic makeup is, is you play to your strengths. At the end of the day, you, you do what you're good at and you're good at what you like. And if you don't like it and you're not good at it, um, you know, you're, you're, but I, I was lucky also, and it, and it went well. So that's the answer to your question, maybe? Yeah. So when, so when you were younger, did you actually, um, like, strive to be an entrepreneur from when you were, like, five years old, or did it sort of come later? No. Um, honestly, I, I wanted to be a soccer player when I was five. <laughs> it's true. It's a pretty good job, too. Uh, if you're, if you can make it and you stay healthy, I mean, there are guys that have to retire at 28 and they're when they've reached the top of the world and Messi is at the top of the world in his specialty and he's 33 and he still hasn't retired. So, you know, no, when I was five, I, I did not think of business. I did not think of Brian. Actually, I, I, I grew very, you know, much to like him and his idea because I saw that he had it early on. I saw that, that he was driven and wanted it and, and, and he had the right makeup and the right thought process and his brain was all about that. My, my, my ideas became later. I, uh, I had a career like everybody else. I went to university, I studied economics um, and one of my business class professors was my marketing professor. I also, I think I may have talked about this at Trier when Brian saw me speak first. Um, my, my first mentor was my marketing teacher and my marketing teacher, he said, he saw I was a, a good student of marketing and I got an A in his class. And one day after class, he comes up to me and he says, hey, Jordy, um, if you want to, you know, this is in, uh, so in junior year, the year before I graduated, he says, next year, um, you won't have me as your professor, but after you graduate, come see me because I, I, I want to place you at a job in one of my clients. So he, he actually put me under his wing and he, you know, I started to work as one of his clients um, after I graduated. 
So it was kind of like a, a win-win for me, not because I graduated his class with an A, but because at the end of the day, he helped me out also get my first job and as a product marketing manager in, in a cosmetics company, which is what I did for the better part of a year um, after I graduated with my master's. Um, so, wow. you know, I, I got a job at a cosmetics company, then I got a job at a flavor and fragrance company, and then I got into family business. And then, you know, I got the respect of, of other entrepreneurs in my family whom I had always respected. So what goes around comes around, I guess, right? And that's how, how it happens in my world. So, so what was it like actually having a mentor? And, you know, what was that sort of relationship like? Ask Brian how it feels. Honestly, the funny thing is that one of my professors here is a marketing professor. And um, he, was ta he taught me all about, like, what kind of experience really matters. And so that's, like, what really inspired me to get into um, copywriting, which is what I'm currently working on. I know that it just, like, it feels like you have secrets. Like, to be honest, like, that's really what it feels like. Because, like, when you're learning with a group in a class, like, you feel like a sense of camaraderie with your classmates. But I get the sense that, like, when you get to talk to somebody one-on-one -on -one and you get to kind of have those little nuggets and insights of knowledge, like, you really feel inspired and motivated to do stuff because you feel like you have an edge. And even if, you know, you might have as, you might not have as big of an edge as you think, just having that kind of personal connection and having uh, what like industry secrets, I guess, makes it, it inspires you to like work a lot harder, in my opinion. I think like that's the biggest thing is to feel like you're supported and that you have somebody that you could go to if you have any questions. It, 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 like you feel like you have a direction. It just helps you with your direction in life, I think. I, I, I agree. But I can also add, um, there's no substitute for experience. And what I love about teaching and what I love about talking to you young guys um, is, is, or younger people than me that have less experience is, is hopefully, and, and this is funny and, and mentoring from the other side, but I'll tell you, I know that when I had a mentor, the most valuable thing that he could share with me was his experience. Okay. These, these, these little things that, and, and sometimes it's not that they fly over your head and that you can't hear them or understand them is that we get as humans, we get so caught up in, in the moment that unless, unless somebody tells you, Hey kid, write this down, you know, this you're going to use for the rest of your life. They may have, I may have heard things that I'm using today, 20, 30, 40 different times. And until it happened to me and I needed to use it, I didn't realize that somebody had told me that before, you know? So the, the experience that other people have, um, and this happens a lot with the teenage brain. I've studied the teenage brain. I have two teenagers. One is a senior at Natrier now, um, like Brian was when I met him. But, but um, so my son, my daughter, who's 14, she's a freshman at Nutria. Um, I tell them things and I'm like, don't listen to me because I'm your father. Don't listen to me because I've done it before. Listen to me because it, it, this is what will happen to you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's it. I mean, they, they, there's a saying in Spanish that says the devil knows more because he is old than because he is the devil. Okay. 
and, and it's true. I don't know. Your last name is Lugo. I don't know if you're Portuguese, Brazilian, Spanish, or where you're Puerto Rican. Okay. Or where your, your ethnicity is from. It doesn't matter. But mm -hmm. the saying is in Spanish, um, and you might find it, you might Google it. But, you know, the devil has been around as, 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 from the first creation of the universe. So if you think about it, you know, it's true. The experience, um, and it, it, you try to look for a job when you're 52, my case, right? I've applied for a general manager job recently because I was looking to buy a company. I wanted to keep my entrepreneurship thing going. But this, this acquisition of this company in Spain would have meant that I was going to be flying all over the world, um, you know, again. And COVID hits in March. This, this I, had, I had acquired the funds to go buy a $60 million company. That's revenues. Um, I was going to pay a lot more. Than, the bank was going to help me pay a lot more than $60 million for it. But, um, and I was going to be the CEO. And as an entrepreneur, that's what you do. But um, so all of a sudden, COVID hits. We're stuck in March of 2020, and despite you may have gotten the funds, despite you may have the profile, despite you know the industry, you know how to make that company work better and, and longer, uh, and, and you have a company that's willing to sell to you, all of a sudden, COVID hits. What are you going to do? Okay, so I, I'm looking for a job. This buddy of mine wants to hire a general manager, kind of like a CEO, kind of like an assistant, you know, to the CEO. And I'm like, well, and they're like, no, we're, we're looking for somebody younger. We're looking for somebody that has less experience. We're looking for somebody that needs to, can grow within the company, right? And, and I'm like, okay, that means you're overqualified. That was telling me either they don't wanna pay my salary or they, they, want, they wanna grow with the candidate, with another candidate, which is fine. And it, knowing what I know is, they're going to let that person make mistakes. They're going to let that person grow within and that's, and that's okay. But that's what typically ends up happening. So I respect experience a lot. Um, and in other cultures, like, especially in the Asian culture, I've read a lot about Southeast Asia and, and Brian can tell you too. Um, in the Latin cultures, we respect our elders a lot more. Um, in other cultures, they, they want youth and they, they, they want to learn. They want to teach people lessons by by baptism under fire. Okay. But and that's what mentors help to do. And that's why consultants are around because consultants teach those lessons. So maybe I'm, I'm rambling now, but maybe that's that interesting uh, about how it feels to be a mentor and how it, how it feels to have a mentor. So there are a lot of things that, you know, when you were being mentored, when you were younger, you probably learned like a lot. What were some of like the main messages that you learned as a mentee or what are the main messages that you teach as a mentor? Oh, um, well, it's all, all over the internet also. I don't know what, what Instagram feeds you subscribe to, but I'll tell, I'll tell you, um, there's a couple of business ones, you know, motivational, um, call them what you may. You know, hard work is key, showing up on time, things that, that, that will make you a, a good person, you know, kindness, empathy. It, it's things that the, the soft, not the soft, not the hard skills, the soft skills um, that, that will, will give you an edge above, above other people. I mean, you can be the smartest guy in the room. If, if you're not willing to work hard, it's never going to happen. 
you might get lucky for a couple of years, but you have to, resiliency is, is another good one that I remember and was in my new career chat at the end of the day. You just have to, I've been in sales. All of, all of us have something to sell. And, and in sales, and in the video that I played to Brian and his colleagues that year at Nutrier when I was in his class, it's, it's about resiliency, really. It's about, you know, you, you knock on thousands of doors and, and they're all closed and they don't want to hear about you. They don't, nobody has time for you. Everybody's on Zoom calls. We're all busy 24-7 now because you have access to people 24-7 on Sundays. Um, and that's cool. But so whoever wants to say no, will say no. And, and you got to move on and, and find the next one that will say yes. And sometimes it takes two doors. And on the second door you knock, it'll be open and wide open. And that's me for you. Or the first door you asked, the first time you asked me, I said yes. But, but, but or sometimes you need to knock 1,024 times. And until it's not 1,025th time, but, but don't stop. Don't stop believing that, that you can actually do something because somebody tells you no. You brought up a very important point. That's so interesting. So when you say sales, right? Like not only are you selling products or things like that, you're also selling yourself. That's a huge part of it. You're selling the person that you are and the person that you want to be. And you're also selling yourself to other people. You know, if you're selling yourself to a company you're also just trying to make friends. So what, what does it really mean to sell yourself and to sort of be like the person that, um, that is, you know, sellable to other people? Okay, well, Dale Carnegie said it the best, right? Um, the lessons in salesmanship, and you guys studied that. Why are you laughing? Oh, I'm currently, I'm on my like fifth read through of the book. Okay. I'm currently trying to, I'm trying to memorize every single chapter. And so the fact <laughs> that you brought, I mean, everybody, to, every single person, that, every single salesperson always goes, you know, read this book first. And so yeah. I, I just thought it was super cool that you brought it up. So, so what are you, what are you writing with? What am I writing? Right now, what are you writing? What are you writing? Uh, with? Uh, Google Docs. I don't know. What are you writing with on a piece of paper? Are you taking notes? I have to write with pen and paper. You know. Okay. So one of the copywriting, one of the copywriting experts, uh, I think Gary Halbert always talks about how it's super important. If you have any of it, how it's super important to, to copy things down by hand. I remember you. You told me too because when I met you at Starbucks, you made me write things down on a nap. Okay. I didn't make you, but there's a pen. Okay, show me the pen. I can't see Brian, but I can see uh, Lugo. Nicholas. Oh, that's true. It doesn't. Yeah, show me the pen. Okay. Brian, how much is that pen? Probably five cents. Okay. Nicholas, how, how much is that pen? A pen? Yeah, I would say maybe, maybe 10 cents. I know it's worth more. I know it's worth more. But okay. Um, so you want to sell it to me for a dime. He wants to sell it to me for a nickel right? Mm -hmm. Why, why is it worth 10 cents to you and five cents to him? Oh, because I can go to Staples and buy one for five cents. Nicholas, if, if I can go to Staples and buy one for five cents, why would I, why would I buy it from you now for 10 cents? Because I'm convenient. You have to go all the way to Staples to buy a pen. It's like, you know, just pay me the extra five cents so I can give it to you now, of course. Okay. You just, you just sold me one attribute that is perceived value, which is if I, the buyer, perceive that you are adding value, it's perceived. If, if, if I, I'm willing to wait and Staples or Amazon can deliver it 
to my to my dorm room next door um, for the same price. Am I gonna get up, go out of my dorm, get on my bike, bike to Staples and buy it? Or am I just gonna wait here and save myself a nickel? Or am I in a hurry? Do you know yeah. if I'm in a hurry? Do you know if I want it now, if I need to write something down now because mine is dry? <laughs> okay, so this is the thing when you're selling yourself, what you have to sell is, is your approach to things is so a good salesman and going back to the Del Carney example or not, not, not this just bullshit, sell me your pen is the, you can sell anything, a car. Okay. So when an, an old lady walks into a car dealership and, and uh, you know, they're, they're looking at extended cab series seven BMWs, old rich lady walks in there with a guy that's wearing white gloves and a hat, you know, one of those cats with a visor. Looks like a chauffeur, right? Okay, you don't know. Um, you, you didn't see them get out of the car. He was driving, she was being chauffeured. They're looking for a new limo for, for, for the little old rich lady. Who are you gonna sell the car to, the chauffeur or the lady? The lady. Well, no, because he's gonna be driving it, maybe. And if he doesn't wanna drive it, he's gonna quit. So mm. if if, you got to sell the, the car to both of them. You got you got You got to make a selling point for the chauffeur. Hey, look, it's really comfortable. You know, it does everything by itself. Hey, it's like a Tesla. It drives itself. You can park it, no hands, uh, blah, 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 blah. Little old lady wants to sit in the back and maybe she's a boozer and she has a, she has a cooler, you know, in there for her, for her cold martini. Um, you know, whatever she's drinking. So do you need extra leg room? Is she tall? Is she short? Is she cold? Is she warm? Does this car have cooled and heated back seats? Yeah. Um, so you have to fit it to them, right? You have every time. And so your sales approach might be like, I just told you all the details to analyze your clients or your approach might be, I'm going to be Brian Chung over there and sell you something for real cheap. I'm just going to sell volume. I'm just going to sell things for two cents and, and, and maybe lose money until I can break even and corner the whole market because I'm the only guy that people give pens to to sell because they know I have access to everybody and everybody buys from me and I'm a good distributor and I'm going to start breaking prices. Um, you know, go rock bottom. I am Walmart. I am Sam Walton made a fortune selling cheap shit to everybody. Okay, he's one of the richest men in America. So who are you? Are you Sam Walton or are you, are you, I started Whole Foods, I forgot his name, but you know, so organic only, high end prices, who are you? What do you want? What's your approach? What's Brian's approach? We're all different people. You, you, pick, you pick who you wanna be, but that's, does that address your question as to? Um, no, yeah. I think it does. So I'm actually, it was funny because me and Brian were talking about uh, the Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people the other day. And one of the things that we were talking about is what I was, what I assume that you're talking about with Dale Carnegie is talk in terms of other people's interests. Right? Exactly. Like you, and obviously people value things differently, right? So for someone who doesn't have that much money, you know, the chauffeur in your example, I also want to advertise the fact that it's low cost, right? But for the rich old lady, I don't, I don't really care. I'm not going to bring up to her the fact, oh yeah, you know, it's only X amount of dollars because that's not something she values. She values as highly. So 
I think it's incredibly valuable, especially when you're trying to sell yourself. You're really trying to think in terms of other people's interests. You're really not trying to think in terms of your own. Right. right. However, however, don't lose sight. And this as a, as a person, okay? Don't try and make everybody else happy. That's another good one to remember. Um, right, exactly. Because you're never going to make everybody happy. Okay. Don't lead your life. Play to your strengths. You're good at this. You're an introvert. Okay. You can still sell, but you got to be born to sell. Okay. That's fine. But if, if you, if you don't want to be in sales, you don't have to be in sales to be a happy person. You don't have to sell yourself all the time to please everybody else because not everybody's going to like dark haired guys. You know, there's going to be, there's going to be a chick out there that's going to like a blonde dude. And, and, and that's fine. You, you're not going to make her happy. And don't get disappointed because you can't make the chick happy that thought that, I mean, do you want to dye your hair? No, you're happy with who you are. Be who you are. Stick to your, okay. Don't try and make everybody happy because you, you're not, you're not going to win by trying to make everybody happy all the time. Yeah. So when you, when you're actually in sales, do you sort of believe that, you know, what you're really talking about right here is authenticity, right? You want to think in terms of other people's interests, but you also want to be authentic to yourself. And people, do you believe that people can kind of tell when you're being inauthentic and when you're sort of lying to them? And, you know, if you're not being, if, if you're really focusing on other people, but you're not really focusing on yourself as much, do you think people can tell I, that? And, and this is my opinion. I'm going to give you my vision of this now, okay? You could talk to people. I call them bullshitters. <laughs> but... <laughs> So, some people have a very high bullshit radar. Um, some people don't care. You know, they're buying encyclopedias from somebody that doesn't believe in encyclopedias. I don't, I don't care. Personally, my opinion is I've never been comfortable selling something I didn't believe in. I, I just cannot see the value in a drug deal. Um, you know, I, I don't believe in illegal substances. So, because I don't, I don't believe in illegal substances. I do not want to profit from pushing something that will hurt other people. Um, I, I, I don't know. I have a hard time. I have a friend who owns a liquor store. Okay. I have a lot of friends who have had to quit drinking over the years. Uh, it's it's poison. Uh, it's a lot of fun to drink. I, I personally have enjoyed it yesterday. I had a drink after dinner. Um, it's only for the people who can control it. It's, but it's, it, it also is a disease, right? So, yeah. so just having said that, and now that marijuana is becoming legal in many states, um, you know, I have a friend who, who owns one of the biggest, uh, what's it called? One of the biggest, um, shoot, dispensaries here in 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 in, 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 in close to our neighborhood um, yeah i know who no owns it. yeah wow. he's he's a good he's a good friend um and he's in the business and he, that's what he's going to sell do i believe in it I, i'm not going to invest with him um i i just my buddy that owns the liquor store have i bought from him yes i bought liquor from xyz who owns a liquor store um but I'm like, I would not get in the business of selling liquor, 
Okay. I, I just, I, I can't, I, I don't want to, I don't. Okay. The other thing is, is I'm in a position I don't need to. Right. Yeah. Um, I can make money doing other things or maybe I'm happy not making money and not doing that. But so that that's personal. That's, that's my choice. You can make, you can sell your soul to the devil and make a lot of money doing selling cocaine. But you better you you better belong to a good gang because you're gonna get shot. So well, I don't care, um, you know. But that that's my personal system of beliefs, and each you each have your own. I think he speaks. I think you're speaking to a super important point, just about the product that you choose to sell at the end of the day, too. Because even if you're right. selling yourself, like you need to believe in yourself. You need to do your best to make yourself the best product that you can offer. I mean, because like what I think about all the time is like. People who are really good at selling but don't really have a product to sell, they become con artists. I mean, like I at one point was really invested in all kinds of like YouTube creators who would tell you all about, you know, how to do this and how to do that. But at the end of the day, like all they have to sell is like, like knowledge that you can find online for free. Like there's no real substance there. And so I think like that's an issue that you know, I have as well when it comes to like, I really like the idea of working for myself and selling my own products and stuff. But like, I think that I'm at a point where I still have like myself as a product, as an entrepreneur, like there's still enough to work on. I'm just making the product good enough where I don't need to worry so much about selling just yet. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we are young. And so like, there's still so much more room to improve our product before we even go to market. And like that, that was one of the struggles that I had with my first like with my first venture into selling these disposable batteries that I bought from China for like you know 50 cents was that like the product was pretty bad and like it didn't feel great to push the product and at the end of the day like that's what like really hurt me was not being able to be genuine about my product and people can feel it you know what I mean yeah and like that kind of stuff weighs on your conscience for the conscience for forever and so I think like outside of being a good salesperson in order to live a good life, I think you're absolutely right about needing to pick and choose and improve your product. Like that just really spoke to me. And I, th I personally think, I think they go hand in hand, right? So if you're selling a product that you're passionate about, then it's going to give you a sort of like a sense of meaning in your life. You feel like you're actually doing something that's important. And as a result, you're going to be a better salesman, right? Like absolutely. They, yeah, exactly. Like I feel that's, that's the message. Yeah, definitely. Right. I feel like that's, that's the key message here because when you're talking about being authentic, it's, it's more about what makes you a good salesman. And part of being a good salesman is just being an absolute, you know, a go-getter for your product. I absolutely love this product and I want to share this with you. I want to share this product with you, whatever right. it is. And using right. your analogy, like a good product sells itself in the sense that if you're attractive, if you like work out and you take care of yourself, then you don't need to go out and pitch yourself to girls. Like they will see it written on you that you're well-dressed and that you take care of yourself and that you're healthy. So like, that's definitely just like a true in everything in life, honestly. Like that's life advice. Yes, you're both correct. Uh, so how do you personally go, like yourself as a product? I know like education and all that, super important to always be improving. How do you improve yourself as how do you improve you the product? 
like what have you done in your life and and to to always be improving and to always be upgrading hmm. um interesting so i didn't believe in in experience as much as i believed in youth in the past right I am young, I have talents, I have studies, I have, I have built a foundation on which to build on. And I go out and I start facing the world at 28 in my jobs. Um, and all of a sudden, you realize that there's people out there like your mentors, but there's not that many of them. You think they're a minority, but if, if you look at demographics, there's a majority of people, right, that are over or that have lived more than you when you start out. So by the end of my five decades of, of being on this planet, you realize that a 28 year old out of college, whatever, whatever, needs what that 50 year old has and, and vice versa. That 50 year old needs what that 20 year old has. He's had it, but you lose the youth and you gain the experience. So, so how do you, how do you sell, how do you improve with experience, with learning consistently, improving on, on, on everyday observations, um, reading, reading a lot, uh, talking to a lot of people, just having conversations like these with friends over coffee. And especially I, I, I I'm a huge believer in diversity, right? So don't talk to people that are like you talk to people that are 50 talk to people that are 70 talk to people i mean a two-year-old won't teach you know what a two-year-old it's funny because they do teach me um my my kids i i i thought i thought i knew everything until i had to bend over and change a diaper it was my son i i i did not change diapers for nieces i did not change diapers for nephews i wanted nothing to do with it i have never learned more about myself than when I started and as a manager, as a business person, as a team leader, than when I started having to field questions and manage a family or manage a, a little kid. Now I manage a 14 year old daughter. This morning I had a discussion with my daughter. They're starting school. She's a freshman at Nutria. She doesn't know what she's getting into but she does not want to listen to her father or her mother tell her, hey, I've been to high school before. This is what it's like. She's like, yeah. why are you talking to me about this? Well, because I've been there. Because I love you. Because I don't want, I want what's best for you. And if you actually listen and you actually absorb this, you might learn it later on your own. But if, if you actually want to retain what I'm telling you, you will prove me right. It's like the old tale. And I think I may have used this metaphor too when I talk to you guys is shit, making a kid taste something that, oh, I don't like spinach. Well, have you tried this spinach? It's not boiled. It's sauteed. It's not creamed. It's, it's sauteed with olive oil and pine nuts. It tastes a lot different. It's got garlic in it. It's got this. It's got that. So have you tried garlic spinach with pine nuts and olive oil? Oh, I actually like it. Sauteed in a pan instead of creamed and boiled. Oh, okay, kid. Well, will you eat it now? You know, yeah. you don't have to ask the question 
it's all, the, the answer is obvious. So you learn, you learn from everything and everybody, what you do, what you improve yourself. I'm not, I'm, I, I can even tell you, go to a shrink, get psychoanalyzed. Um, you know, you go through phases in your life. You might be depressed. You might be really happy and thinking you're the king of the world because you just sold a company and made a million dollars that year. Um, you know, you can hit the lottery and, and buy a Ferrari. Fine. But, but there will be moments when you will be depressed and there will be moments when you need somebody else that tells you, hey, look, um, you know, that sees it from another perspective and tells you, why do you think you are depressed and makes you think about these things. And, and it's not until you are depressed and you seek counsel or you have a friend who's dealing with an addiction problem and you help them that you see yourself in the mirror, really, and you learn more about yourself. I think that's to, so interesting. How you to hit, be better. Yeah, you hit like so many points there. I, I want to like, like. <laughs> you want to write them down, get a, get a pen. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it for five. How about that? No, but I think it was so. In, yeah, no, I think, I, think, I think it was so interesting. The thing that you talked about originally was you said that listen to other people speaking and listen to other diversities of thoughts. So whether it be, you know, 50 year olds, 20 year olds, whatever. And I think one of the important points that you're talking about there is when we're actually like as humans, for whatever reason, we're the only animals that can learn from other people. Right. So if you told me don't cross the street when a car's there or look both ways when there's a car, <clears throat> then I'm actually going to do it. And I don't have to go through that struggle myself right like i don't have yeah i don't have to get hit by a car or get nearly hit by a car right like i can learn from other people and i find it quite you know i'm gonna say it, i find it quite ignorant for people who don't want to learn from other people and don't want to you know get that experience especially from books right like learning from books is somebody who spent their entire life and made all these mistakes maybe some have gotten hit by that metaphorical car right and made those failures and they have condensed all this wonderful wisdom of their entire life. Usually these people that are like 60, 70 years old writing this book about their life and you take it and you don't read it because you know, you don't, you don't feel like you could apply it when it's, it's such valuable advice. So I think reading, the fact that reading, reading the newspaper, I mean, knowing what's going on in the world, uh, Trump and, and I won't make a political statement, but has been accused of not reading. Um, you know, I think reading is, is, is necessary. Reading about, not just because he has, he has access to sources of information that nobody else in the world does, but, but um, just read, for God's sakes. Please know what you're talking about before you go out there, before you make an opinion, before and get as much information as you can. Um, in economics, and I don't know whether you guys study hardcore economics or just 101 these days, but uh, at your business school, but in economics, there's, there's Pareto's optimums are based on what? Perfect information, right? And, and if, if, if the customer and the curves of supply and demand are perfect, they meet in the middle. Um, with perfect information, everything else remaining equal, you know, the customer makes a rational decision. But of course, if, if, if you're skewed, it's, it's the rational decision. The optimum is not achieved. So... Yeah. So there you go. Just real quick, speaking on the topic of books, do you have any absolute must reads that you, you know, like I'm sure there have been countless books that are, 
Okay, here. Super important, but here. Just ready? Okay. Are you, are you ready? He's got the right shelf. Right these down. Right these down. Here. Back up. You ready? Okay. This is my library. You've read every book in there. I've read most books in here. That's most that's books. my plasma. That's my plasma screen. This is the other half of the room. More books. Okay. okay. So I don't know if I can flip my screen, but um, I'll tell you. Uh, I'm gonna go through it while I'm here. Um, this guy's good. Um, so Malcolm Gladwell, all of them. <laughs> so uh, the goal is is a management novel, okay, by Elijah Goldratt. It's called The Goal. It's called The Goal? Yeah, by Elihu Goldratt, G-O-L-D-R-A-T-T. -T. I got it on Amazon. You got it? All right, that's yes. one. Okay, I have it in Spanish right here. It's- La Meta. La Meta, The Goal, okay? <laughs> this is the second one, which is In Search of Excellence. Okay. Oh, I've Have heard you read of this that. one? Huh? He says he's heard of it. I've heard of that. Yeah, well, Tom Peters. Okay. Tom so Peters. Tom Peters in search of excellence. Anything Mr. Thomas Peters writes or wrote? Um, and Google him. I think he, he was out of Chicago somewhere too. Let me I'm Google. I'm just curious because I, I forget this stuff about these people and they're really interesting people that I used to know more about. And just super quick question also, um, how do you go about retaining this information after you read? Do you take notes? Uh, do you reread it? Like, or do you just give a, like, what's your strategy for retaining the information inside? I, I, I keep on, I, I mean, I, you just saw me, I turned around and the other side, my basement office, the other side of my, of my office is not this window that you're seeing behind me is that library. I just go back and I, and I pick it up and I have markings and I have, I have notes. I mean, these are my notes. That's my handwriting inside mm -hmm. the book at a certain page. I, and you I go back to it like as you conduct business deals and stuff to look back through your notes and stuff to look for. No, when, sadly, when you're when you're conducting business deals, it's it's uh, it's all about the money and the time and, and how much time you can and what you can do with how quickly you can think on your feet sometimes. Hey, if you have time to ponder and on weekends, yeah, go back to the book by all means. But once, once you have a family and kids, I, I don't reread them enough, you know? Hmm. And the last one, the Kellogg professor that this is, so if, how to wash a chicken. Oh, how to wash chicken. Interesting title. And this is by, this is by, his name is Tim Calkins. Yeah. So you said before there was a book about how to train dogs and it was actually about training dogs. So is yeah. this one about how to actually wash chicken? No, but, but <laughs> I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you read the annotated notes on Amazon, see what it says about it. Um, and it's not, it's, it's, it's okay. So here, right here, it says mastering the business presentation. Hmm. It's about communicating, it's about presenting, it's about selling, it's about business, it's about everything. It is awesome. Wow, no, I do like that. Business yeah. presentation. We don't, we don't, uh, we learn a little bit about that. No, 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 I mean, but I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about PowerPoint and crap like that, okay? I'm talking about selling and presenting yourself and communicating your value, 
adding value, believing in yourself, having a good pro everything we've talked about. Interesting. Okay. All right. That's pretty incredible. No, thank you. I got I to gotta go pretty soon, boys. I got 10 more minutes. I gave you an hour. No, well, thank, thank you. Yeah, thank that's you. why your time is super. No, what, do you, what else do you got? I got 10 more minutes. Yeah. Okay. So um, we're both interested in starting our own companies. You're, he's publishing a book soon. Um, what do you think you've, what do you, what you got like to send me, you gotta send me, I'll, I'll trade you. You got to send me a signed copy. Deal. I'll do it. <laughs> um, Thank you. You, you gotta, so what like mistakes and what experience do you have that you've gained that you could only gain from starting your own business? You know what I mean? Like, like what is it? What's in there that you think you've learned only because you started your own business? That's a good question. I, I don't know what to answer because I'm trying to think of parallels to not having your own business and working for somebody else. Because um, you've done both. I'll tell you, I, I learned a lot more about myself and what I'm really good at. So I learned that if you're too invested personally in something, it's good to have distance between between what you, your feelings and your business. So, um, can you give me an example of that? Maybe with some yeah, when I was, and this is this is exactly what I'm talking about. Um, signing an expense report for somebody when it's somebody else's money, it's very easy, right? Um, I'll give you. How old are you guys? Twenty? Not even. I'm going to turn twenty soon. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. Well, you're not you're not 21, so you're not adults. We can't go X-rated here. Um, <laughs> I was gonna go a little X-rated, but say for example, um, I'm, you're managing a sales team, and it's your company, right? And you have uh, 12 people working for you. Four of these guys are salespeople. They're out on the field. They're taking a client to dinner, and they come back the next day with an expense report that says that says we spent $500 on wine or liquor or drinks, right? Mm -hmm. Last night, because we took a client to a convention and, and the client, you know, it's the only way to sell to him if we get him drunk. So it's $500 for a dinner for three people, four people, it doesn't matter, a lot of money. This is, this is, again, this is more than 10 years ago now. This is almost 20 years ago. That so was, that, yeah, would be so a, a lot of that, that would be a thousand dollars today, right? I, I'm just adding dimension to it. Um, so you're like, okay, that's a thousand dollars less out of the bottom line. He hasn't bought anything yet. Um, and it's the only way you could sell the product as opposed to saying, you know, um, I work for a Fortune 50 company. You have a budget of $10 million for travel and entertainment and 500 to $1,000 of $10 million of entertainment and travel. It, and you're managing the same. I mean, you're, you're trying to impact the bottom line, but yeah. you do two of those dinners every week. Um, where does it matter more? Does it matter more if it's your business? Does it matter more if it's, if it's a fortune 50 company and you're the CEO or the well, are, general? 
right? So are you assuming that the size of the company is the same or is the only no, very- No, whether the money comes out of your pocket or the funds are somebody else's money. OPM, other people's money. A lot of people, I'm not kidding. A lot of my most successful friends, and I'll tell you the example of one guy, it's a COO, Chief Operating Officer at Citibank in New York City. Uh, my buddy, he can't work for himself. He does not have the balls or the, or the, or the, or the ability to detach himself from the fact that he's gonna foot the bill, you know, if it's, if it's his company. He, if it's somebody else's company, he doesn't give a shit. I'm sorry, I'm being very clear and blunt. Mm -hmm. But, and, and, and you can apply this to the X-rated version. Think about how, you know, how many times it happens in the world where somebody takes somebody to a bar and they're sponsoring entertainment. Um, you know, it yeah. happens in business. It happens in, in other countries more than in America, but it happens. And so, so are you able to stomach that? Or when it's not your money, do you care? So that's what I learned that being myself, being my, and I, I, I'm not telling you I'm, I'm a saint. I'm, you know, preaching to the choir here maybe, but um, it's yeah. different when you're, when it's your money than when it's other people's money. Very different. You also, yeah. Do you also find that it's a lot more difficult to be a self-starter than to have the external incentive of, you know, like a boss or things of that sort? Showing up and having somebody that you're accountable to, whether it's your wife, it's your family, some people are accountant only to their bank accounts. Uh, I'm sorry, are accountable only to their own bank accounts. And we can talk about greed. We can talk about many things. But, but always, you have to have something that drives you aside from, yes, just because it's a job and I'm going to do it and I'm good at it or I'm bad at it. Agree. Frank, do you have a question? I'm just thinking, like, when he was talking about the idea of, you know, like, because uh, I understand the basics of business expense and sales and you got to take people out. Like, it kind of made me sick to my stomach imagining going out and having to spend 500, 1,000 bucks on a client who may or may not even purchase from me. And I, you know, just because I think like there are certain values that are instilled in you since you're very young, you know, like personally in 2008, like you were, my family was super broke. So like I, then that's kind of like my adolescence, right? And so like, I kind of never was like, like I can understand why you're feeling like, cause like you have to do it. You know, if you want to land those big ticket clients, it's like an investment. It's yeah. yeah. It's just like a part of it. And sometimes the investments fall through, but I can imagine why, like, especially. Well, 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 you guys, you guys should know the difference. Let me cut you short here. This is worth more, but an investment or an expense, right? What's the difference between an investment and an expense? One will get you, get you something in the back end. No, but you're sure. You have return on investment measures that actually, you know, hey, um, that's what happens. I'm sorry, I was getting a call. I don't know if you guys saw me. I, I had to decline a, a phone call that's coming in. But um, no, all right, I'll get on it. Um, so an travel and, and sales are expenses. They're not investments. You might or may not get a return, but in the books, in accounting, they will teach you that that's not accountable as an investment. Okay? Yeah. You can, you can perceive it. You can think about it, but as, as an investment, but nobody in, in accounting will let you account for that as a, 
as an investment. You can perceive it as a sunk cost. So I have a membership at a golf club. Um, it costs you tens of thousands of dollars to join the golf club. You're never going to get that money back. It's a sunk cost. Hell, you get to play golf later and you pay per round or you pay the caddies or you pay for golf balls. You pay Fine. But, but that you're never going to see it again. So whether you get business out of it or not, there's a huge question mark about it. An investment is, 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 a, is a machine, is, is Brian's uh, 200 battery packs. That was an investment that he hopes to make a return on. And that you can account for as a loss if you do not make a return yeah. on it. That's why they teach accounting in business school too. But think about the principles that go behind the term investments and expense. So sales is a sunk cost. It's always an expense. Keep that very clear in your mind. Yeah. So it's an expense. Okay, that makes sense. It's an expense because it's not directly making you money. Like every time, right, uh, investment, like a machine is working for you and making you money. But a, an airline ticket is not, is not directly doing anything for you. Right. Interesting. We have four minutes left, probably. Any, if you want to just wrap everything up, you know, you gave us a lot of insight and wisdom today. You want to just kind of boil it down to maybe three things we should remember to keep in our head. That's an interesting question. Me, three things. Yeah, for us to keep <laughs> in our head and remember and kind of. I know it's a lot to ask. But. Use use your use your network. Okay. Um. Learn too, so, so, so learn, read, uh, interact, open your ears, close your mouth as much as you can. Or you let you. you said about talking to old people, like I love doing that, so I'll continue. Or, or, young, or, or learn, watch, watch, watch a babysitter take care of a kid and watch another babysitter in the park take care of another kid and you'll learn the differences. Um, watch people watching their, walking their dogs. Um, and three, be, be, be resilient, so learn, be resilient and diverse. Diverse is key. So, so everything and anything, there's, there's a lesson in, in, in how the plants grow. I know you might not be into biology. I know you might not be into sports. I, I just like observing the world around me. I, I don't know. It's, 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 heck, it's led me to, to have people respect me more and, and, and know yourself. Sorry, the fourth one is also know what you're about and know yourself and stay true. Yeah. Be resilient, diversify your interests, everything mm -hmm. and know yourself. I also yeah. think an underlying message you got there is be curious, right? Like, Oh yes. Yeah. Like, like really care about it. Like by knowing yourself, like care about yourself, understand yourself, but also when you're trying to be diverse and you're also trying to learn more, right. Which was one of your messages. You need to just be curious about, you know, all the daily things that happen in this life. And there's so much value that you can learn from literally everything that exists around us. Yep. I think that's awesome. I want, yeah, thank you so much for doing this. Like, yeah, this is, this is really incredible. Thank you so much. All right. Good luck, guys. Take care. Good to see yeah, you. Take, right. take care. Thank you. Thank you. Wow.